pull safely out of the parking lot to drive our way home, everything. We have angels that minister for every single need that we have, and we're so thankful for it. And we bless you, we praise you, we honor you. Open up our ears to hear. Allow us to be able to hear, receive, and do everything that we hear coming from your throne today. In Jesus' name, amen and praise God. Amen, amen, amen. Praise God. So um, <clears throat> we were sharing yesterday about, let me see, let me see, let me see. <laughs> there is faith on your praise. Amen. There is faith on your praise. And we talked about the fact that a large aspect of praise is a heart full of thanksgiving a thankful heart toward god will always generate the right uh, motivation in our hearts to begin to release praise uh, to begin to honor god to magnify him make him real big in our lives uh, it's always good to enlarge god because the larger he is the smaller our circumstances are and sometimes our circumstances can be overwhelming to us because they are mountain-sized many times compared to our strength. But when we talk about the strength of God, there's no comparison. And when God is enthroned, he not only shows up, but he rules and reigns in our praises. So the longer we can sustain praise, the longer God has sovereign rule in our lives. That's why many times <clears throat> illness will break with praise. Amen. Doors will open with praise. Amen. Shackles will fall off in praise. And not to say that praise replaces anything else. You know how human minds are. We always want a shortcut to everything. You know, you do have to speak to the mountain. You have to speak the word. You have to command uh, demons. You have to command them to leave. You have to command them out. Uh, that's always necessary. And so we we need to understand, though, when God is enthroned in praise, that means he shows up and he begins to direct our steps. He begins to direct our words. He will give us how to pray he will give us what to say and so when he is enthroned that puts us subject to him and that a, a limit that uh gives him the ability to direct us in the right way many times uh gifts of the spirit operate because the atmosphere of faith is right for because of praise amen um, uh, uh, oftentimes if if um, God is directing me to pray for someone, if, if I don't get something from him right away, he will direct me to pray in the spirit, to edify my spirit, man, build him up, and so and, and magnify him. So praying in the Holy Ghost is a type of praise. Amen. In Acts chapter 2, it said they heard them speak in other tongues and what? Magnify God. And so praying in tongues also always magnifies God, makes him bigger in us. And then uh, he will release a specific word, a word of wisdom, word of knowledge, a word of instruction. Uh, sometimes the atmosphere of praise and faith is is strong enough where it will be quickened to you. Uh, I've had that happen. In fact, that happens um, 
pretty frequently with me sometimes when I'm hearing people tell me their situation. God will speak to me before they even finish what the, the answer is. You know, so it's quickened because of faith and, and because of the atmosphere of praise where you edify him, lift him up, make him bigger than everything else. And he rules and reigns and he'll begin to speak to you and instruct you and direct you. So it's a wonderful thing to have God as your best friend. Amen. If nothing else, cultivate friendship with him. Catherine Kuhlman did that. Look what it did in her life and the lives of so many other people. Uh, uh, because she had nothing left and, and she said she walked down the street and told God if he could use her. She felt like she was nothing. She had been married to a man who had been married before and knew it wasn't a good marriage. It wasn't a right marriage for her. And she got the courage to walk away. She had made a God out of him, just like she had made a God out of her father before him. Sometimes you just gotta break your ties with your past and past patterns and release yourself from it the best way you know how. And uh, I understand that the man later went on to not do very well. I think he only lived another 10 years, but he had a wife and children living that were Christians too, that were probably praying for the husband and father to come back home one day. You got me? So these are the things that, that we we don't know behind the scenes, but we do know that God can take whatever we offer him and redeem it and, and uh, help us to cultivate a good life in it. My understanding is that Miss Kuhlman liked to keep the Holy Spirit near her because he was the best company she ever had. And that started the ministry. You know, making friends with God is a good way to start anything off right. Amen. And because of her devotion to him and, and desire to uh, you know, have God's fellowship and, and surrender everything totally to him that she was able then to go on and, and do the ministry that he or, had ordained for her to do. So it's, it's a good thing to devote yourself to God. I mean, that, you know, whatever you do, don't shortchange on your relationship with him and uh, guard your relationship with him and guard your heart diligently and uh, be steadfast in your commitment to the Lord and and it will pay great dividends for you you'll you'll never be uh sorry you gave everything to God amen and so uh in in understanding how to keep that relationship strong is very important so we're talking about the uh the effect of praise on your faith and how praise brings faith with it. Amen. Uh, praise. The fact that we feel good when we praise God. You know, that's why we stay in praise. Um, Chuck even puts more in the offering because she likes to praise God so much. <laughs> Amen. And so, so it's because of that, that energy and that comfort that comes with the presence of God that we continue to offer up praise to him. We know it works every time. We know he never disappoints us and doesn't show up. So we know that when we praise him, we get good results. Part of the, the feeling that we get or the sense that we get, it's more, it is a spiritual feeling, but it affects our physical man. Uh, our spirit is at rest when we praise God. Our spirit is strengthened when we praise God. 
and all of the other fruit of the spirit operate in praise. There's peace, righteousness, joy, uh, faith, gentleness, kindness, meekness, self-control, everything, all of the fruit of the spirit are there. And so it, it's, it's good to know though that faith is there as well because that's what we need to use in order to get our needs met. And so the fact that praise precedes the release of faith in your heart is a good thing to keep in mind. <clears throat> and when that happens, then God will begin to direct you as to the way that you should go. So God is present in our praise. He dwells there. He dominates there. He rules and reigns there. Amen. There is thanksgiving in praise, but praise um, uh, is is the way that we open the door to God's presence in our life, his activity in our life. So praise is not something you do after God does something for you. Now many people will think that because they they get joy when they get an answer to prayer and oh thank you Jesus and jump up and down but you can do that anytime. You have to wait for him to do something for you for you to praise him. Uh he says when you want to get my attention you praise me. When you want me to come on the scene, you praise me. Uh, when you want me to be enthroned in your life to rule and reign, you praise me. And so we praise God until we get a release of peace and, and comfort. And then we begin to dialogue with God or speak with him or pray, whatever, wherever you want to call it, or just thank him and enjoy his presence. You know, that's always a good thing to do too. So uh, uh, God will manifest himself in our praise. He he if we're looking for manifestation, praise will get it. Amen. Praise will do it. Begin to thank God for things that you you desire in the now. Thank you that I have it now. Lord Father, I just praise you and I thank you. This healing is mine now. I don't have to wait for it. It was done already. It's been paid for. I receive it now. And and begin to dialogue with God in his language, and it begins with praising him. Amen. We talked about the fact that that three times a day the psalmist said, I will praise you. To praise him means to speak lovingly to God, uh, to speak in, in words of gratitude and thanksgiving. Praise allows us to break out of ourselves and put on a new garment. It's like taking off the old and putting on the new. You know, you've been working all day. You've heard all kinds of reports, bad news, good news. You don't even know what kind of mood you're in right now. And sometimes it's just good to step out of that and put on the garment of praise. Amen. Uh, it's it's not something you work up. It's already prepared for you. Amen. If if I tell you, uh, you know, go get my my uh, black coat out of my closet I think I want to wear that today you don't expect me to materialize it by working it up amen you don't work up a coat you don't work up praise either amen you wear it as a garment you just slip into it thank you Jesus I honor you I bless you and I pray it just comes upon you Amen. And so understand the authenticity of everything God has given us in the realm of the spirit. It's already prepared for us. You don't have to work anything up. 
You don't have to work hard at anything. You don't have to manufacture anything. You just step out of you and step into him. Many people don't know how to do that, but step out of that. Amen. Just whatever you were thinking you wanted to do, just stop it. Let's say, Father, I thank you. Just I'm wearing your praise right now, and I honor you. I magnify you and lift you up. You're worthy to be praised. Amen. And and that's putting the garment on. It, I didn't work that up. It came upon me. Amen. Already. And so we just thank God for the ease with which he allows us to come into his presence. And so um, <clears throat> when we... Uh, uh, express our praise we will feel moved sometimes by the holy spirit to lift our hands and and sometimes if the anointing comes into your hands you begin to thank god for that and god i thank you for moving in my hands i thank you for the warmth i feel in my hands i thank you lord for healing power in my hands lord i thank you for all that you're doing in this relationship that we have when I praise you and and begin to understand what's happening in the realm of the spirit. Begin to share with God that you notice what he's doing. It's always a good thing to do. Or sometimes if you don't know what he's doing, God, why is it every time I lift my hands up to you, they feel warm? Every time I begin to exalt you, it's like, you know, and sometimes it it just is him making contact with you. It's like a high five or a low five or whatever it is that you want it to be. You know what I'm saying? He's touched you. Amen. He's he's witnessing to you that what you're doing is approved of by him and he appreciates it. So it, it's just a good thing. And, and always ask God things. I, I just like to find out what's going on. I don't assume anything, you know, so many people are into religion and they watch other people, what they do and jump up and do it with the same. No results. You got me. And and so it's good to to have an authenticity about you. God God knows what you need. He knows what he called you to do. He's got your equipment. Don't ever doubt it. And he he will equip you. He's not holding back on you. He will do everything he said he's going to do for you. But just make sure you get your proper equipment and you're you're equipped properly before you step out and try to do anything in the name of the Lord. Amen. Make sure you can get results. When you hear about healing, make sure you, 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 you know, you prayed for the cat, the dog, and the kids, and neighbors, and anybody else. You make sure you intercede for people who are sick. That keeps your faith up too. And, and so it's, it's just good to have that because God expects us to be able to pray for the sick so He can heal them. We're His open door. To sickness and making it better in the world and getting people healed. So he's expecting us to step out and do these things. Amen. And understand how to ask people for permission to pray for them. You don't have to touch them, lay hands on them, or, but most people will. They'll submit to you once they say yes. If God leads you sometimes touch people on the shoulder or something like that, I'll tell people, especially if it's, if it's men or young men, I'll say, lay hands on yourself where it hurts. I said, I'm going to touch you on your shoulder. I said, you're going to feel that pain leave. Got me? And, and be affirmative like that. If God wasn't going to take that pain away, he wouldn't have you stop in front of that person. So 
No God is up to good things. He's not no monkey business here. If you got doubt, get back in your word. Mm-hmm. And stay in your word. You need to stay in the word anyway. Amen. So praise God. So <clears throat> Psalm 122, one. Go back and see what that said yesterday. It say the same thing today. Oh yeah, I was glad when they said, let's go into the house of the Lord. Anybody ever been there? Have one of them dry weeks, a week where you feel you got beat up and everything else. Amen. He says, our feet shall stand firm within thy gates, O Jerusalem. So that's where the place of your power, your, your, wherever you stand with God, that's your feet are firm. Amen. When you invoke the presence of God, it strengthens you. Amen. And, and, and it's a good thing to have that idea and understanding of you providing a temple for God and being a sanctuary where God can rule and reign because you can call upon his strength anytime you need it. Amen. Just through praising him and thanking him, thanking him for what he's going to do and how he's sustaining you. He's helping you in everything. And so when we say we're glad to go into the house of the Lord, we're glad because there's an atmosphere of faith in God's house. There's an atmosphere of worship there. There's an atmosphere for anything that we would call forth in that atmosphere, to be honest with you. So never limit God. You you never know what he's going to do from one meeting to the next. So allow him to be in charge, be in control. Amen. When you are in faith because God is, his presence is there because you praised him, you have a feeling of unlimited possibilities of good. See, like in an atmosphere like we have right now, you're expecting good things. You're expecting God to say something to you. You're expecting him to inform you of something that you need to know. So there's in when the atmosphere of faith is good, there's expectation of good. The atmosphere of faith can change. You can get just general faith to hear the word and and for the word to go out and then the uh, faith level of faith can change when God's ready to heal people amen and when it's time to pray for people at the altar you can feel uh, somewhat of a shift in the atmosphere I hate to use that word because it's used when no no shift is going on everything's always shifting and People kind of tend to have the same results even though they claim there's a shift. It's like if I sat in my car without turning the ignition on and was working the gears. Shifting gears, but ain't going nowhere. Got me? So (laughs) religion is like that, folks. People pick up buzzwords so fast and Overuse them. If you ask the average person that uses that word, what do you mean when you say that? End of conversation. Okay. In an atmosphere of faith, you have a sense that all things are possible. And so it's good to know what to do in that atmosphere. You can't guess and start jumping up and saying, God's doing this and God's doing that when he's not doing it. 
Sometimes he just needs to get people acclimated to his presence. You understand what I'm saying? There are many people that, that aren't accustomed to the presence of God. And so sometimes he just wants us to get accustomed to him being around us and then allowing him to be able to instruct us if whatever else he is wanting to do in that atmosphere. Amen. And so it, it in, in pretty much in a, a, a place where God's power is, is dominating and he's free to move and do, um, you can take requests from people at the altar and ask them what they need from God and expect God to meet those needs. Amen. So you don't have to really call it out as a word of knowledge or something like that, even though that's a good gift to have if you're in an atmosphere where there's numbers of people and they need to have their faith encouraged that God wants them well. See, the word of knowledge is given to put faith in the person that they can receive what they need now instead of them coming up and asking which would take faith on their part to believe they'll receive it when they get there. God helps us out by telling us what he's healing now. So when I tell, say if I tell Vicki God's healing your leg right now, she knows he's not playing with her. See, there's a level of faith on that, that she might have had something in her leg and was dealing with it and, you know, is okay, it's not real, real bad, but not 100%. And so now God says, okay, it's your time to get 100% now. And so that the faith that's on the word of knowledge is a higher level of faith than what we have in us all the time. See, what we have in us all the time, we're working on it. It's developing. It's getting greater. Eventually, that whatever it is will leave if we keep pressing and pressing and breaking that yoke. But if if I call her out now in the gift of the Spirit, the uh, the Holy Spirit puts the amount of faith that's needed to make it real to you to get it now. And then when you say, oh, okay, thank you, it comes in and it's a done deal. And so it's a different operation. See, God has all kinds of ways of helping us out and delivering our health, our wholeness, everything. It's all in the spirit of God. And so he, but he needs people to pay attention to what he's doing and not get up and try to imitate other people they've seen. See, we can get over competing with other people and trying to keep up with other people we'd be fine do you understand what i'm saying and so so it's just a good thing to understand how god moves when he rules and reigns when there's faith on our praise when there's faith in the house how god will move us to begin to operate and and alleviate suffering help people all of that uh, because there is faith in praise. Yesterday we talked a little bit about David at Ziklag and I thought we could go back there just to refresh ourselves and, and then we'll move on. I did want to say though that David, uh, we talked about how, how he set up all the worship for the nation of Israel. And he's responsible really for the level of worship that we have right now in our churches. Because what we, we began doing, um, 
And I think it was part of the Jesus movement in the 60s and 70s. People began to really want to praise God. They began to have, instead of choirs that sang traditional hymns, which sometimes are scriptural and sometimes are not, they certainly didn't get a lot of response from God. Then God began to move on people to just begin to read the Psalms and begin to read the Bible and construct songs out of the Word of God. And this was part of the Word of Faith movement for sure too, but you will see a whole different genre of, of music came out of that move of God to the degree now that most of what we sing is just raw scripture. It's lifted right up out of the Bible. And so many people began to go back and visit the Psalms, and we began to see what kind of worship is actually liked by God. Amen is, is honored by God. So, um, in, uh, let me see. I'm going to turn to this real quick and see if this is what I'm looking for because I, I thought it was a, a fitting way, uh, to, to sum up really David's life. Let's see, one Kings two. Okay, in first Kings two, I think it's uh these are David's instructions. When uh he was on his deathbed he called Solomon in, uh who was the next king. He began to instruct Solomon who to trust, who not to trust, how to set up the kingdom, all of that stuff. Um And it said in verse 10, so David slept with his fathers and was buried in the city of David. And the days that David reigned over Israel were 40 years. Seven years reigned he in Hebron, 33 years in Jerusalem. Then sat Solomon upon the throne of his father David and his kingdom was established greatly. Um, Let me see what was ah, in 2 Samuel 23. I think this is the other, Samuel 23. Even after all of the things that David had accomplished, we know he was a great warrior. Uh, We know so many things about him. But at the end of his life, let me see, 23 verse 1. Ah, These are his last words in 2 Samuel 23 verse 1. It says, these are the last words of David. David, the son of Jesse, said, and the man who was raised up on high and anointed of God, of the God of Jacob, and the sweet psalmist of Israel. That was his, he's king, but he's also known by his people as the sweet psalmist of Israel. Why? Because he put praise into the mouth of every individual that was there. And he was noted for that at the end of his life. And he said, the spirit of the Lord spoke by me and his word was in my tongue. And the God of Israel said, the rock of Israel spoke to me. He that rules over men must be just ruling in the fear of God. And he shall be as a light of the morning when the sun rises, even as morning without clouds, as the tender grass springing up out of the earth by clear shining after rain. And so David was known for so many different things, but the thing that has lasted more than anything was what he did as far as worship was concerned and how that has been handed down to us 
to revive scriptural worship now in the house of God so that we can take just a psalm out of the book of God and put it to music just like they did back in the day. And we have seen the results of it tremendously in the last, I would say, 50, 60 years of the church. We've come into an enlightenment uh, in the things of God like nothing before. Before we, we sang a lot of hymns and a lot of those songs had, uh, uh, like some of the traditional, uh, uh, songs from African American Christianity, uh, if you, if there is such a thing, uh, were taken from slavery and they were really, um, codes for slaves to be able to protect themselves and escape. So the spiritual, the scriptural accuracy of them is not there because they weren't made to be sung totally to God. They were messages. And see, the African uh, slave was so accustomed to once Christianity was was introduced to us, were so accustomed to singing during their times when they worked, they pretty much sang to God all the time. And worship God all the time. And so in a cunning way, the slave owners got accustomed to them hearing them sing. They weren't troubled when they sang. See, they didn't pay any. Oh, they sing all the time. You would even have some slave owners crazy enough to think they were happy because they were slaves. You understand what I'm saying? That message got around. And so there was a a cunning there in what the slaves did because they were you know, able to like go down Moses way down in Egypt land, tell old Pharaoh, let my people go. They think that was a code song for when the, when uh, the underground railroad was going to move some people out. Yeah. Amen. And so there were a lot of messages to the people in some of those hymns. Well, we sing them now, but they don't do much to bring in the presence of God. You see what I'm saying? In the house of worship. And so we found we had to go back to what David set up in the house of God as the original intent for God's people to be able to contact him. Because if nothing else, we know that the results they got were phenomenal in in Israel. They would the presence of God would come in so strong that they couldn't stand to worship by reason of the cloud. The priest couldn't stand in the presence of God. And so whatever they were doing, we need to do. I mean, that's that's, that's my message. Uh, we need to do those things. And so I think we're on the road now to being able to um, really zero in on the presence of God in a great way, in a very great way. Uh, it is said that when during the Azusa Street Revival, uh, William Seymour would would have them play one song, and that is the Comforter has come. You uh, anybody been to Benny Hinn? You you've heard that song at Benny Hinn? Um, Lily, who was that Lily lady? Remember Lily from Hawaii that used to come in and sing for him sometimes? She always sang that song. Uh huh. And uh, because they picked up on the fact that Brother Seymour got results with it. But one of the most dramatic healings he ever got was a man had a, had had an ant leg amputated, and he'd had a peg leg under it, and the stump had gotten infected. 
began to bleed. And he had one of his pants legs was long for the regular leg, but he had a shortened pant leg for the other one. And the man who witnessed it was interviewed later before he passed away. And he said he witnessed when Brother Seymour prayed for him. And he said when he laid hands on him, he saw uh, uh, the, the leg shoot out from the bottom, the foot shot out from the bottom of his pants and the leg extended perfectly level with the other one. Another one, they said a man lost an arm in a, a work accident. And he came in and said he wanted to work. And he said, uh, they've given me a job, but I don't make enough to take care of my family if God would heal my other arm, I could work, take care of my family. And the man said that that there was no sleeve on this one arm where the stump was. He said, I actually saw a bone start to come out. He said, I saw flesh wrap itself around the bone and then skin wrap itself around that and the whole hand extended. And it took a matter of less than a minute for that to happen. And so there's no doubt that if we get it right, and believe God right, we can get those results because he's no respecter of persons. And he sees people limping without limbs and all of that. He wants them whole. Amen. Just like he wanted one of those people whole. And so, uh, it, but it, it's a part of praise and, and the faith that comes in praise and worshiping God. All of those things have to come together and the heart's wanting God to do the miraculous and putting no limits on God. So so it's it's always good to know that God will do the impossible. He wants to do the impossible in the presence of his people. So so we talked about we were getting ready to talk about David at Ziklag in first Samuel chapter thirty we see where he was kind of in trouble. They'd been arrayed by a by the Amalekite people and uh, David's family was taken off. In fact, everybody's family was taken away. And uh, I don't know, I don't think they knew it at the time uh, that the family members were still alive, but they were mourning. Everybody was in mourning for their loved ones. Now, people say things like, uh, like when they talked about uh, Elijah running from Jezebel. Uh, he had just done a miracle and God was with him and all of a sudden, why is he running and scared and all that? Well, you try it. We couldn't even get up to the mountain and, and command Baal's uh, uh, priests to cut themselves and mock Baal half the day. You know, I mean, that's a long day. You got to wait for all them sacrifices and then fire fall from heaven. I mean, how, how long, how many hours do you work without a break? Huh? And so he ran to preserve his life. You know what I'm saying, folks? Sometimes people know it's like Elijah say, ain't y'all sick of bugging me yet? <laughs> Who was it? Saul pulled him up out of the grave and he wasn't the man dead. He wouldn't even let him go then. Come on, y'all. Everybody get tired. But anyway, he, uh, so this is David's situation. These men are angry at him. And it says that verse six, they were greatly distressed. David was greatly distressed. The great warrior, sweet psalmist, greatly distressed. Amen. Because the people thought, taught, said they wanted to stone him because the soul of all the people were grieved. Every man for his sons and his daughters. But David, it said, encouraged himself in the Lord his God. 
And so we know and we believe that part of encouraging yourself is praise. You have to step out of you and step over into the realm of the spirit where everything's provided for you. And see, David knew that there was no provision for him in the natural and he would have to escape as he always did to the realm of the spirit and talk to God and know what God was doing. And it says, as he encouraged himself in the Lord his God, then faith began to rise up in his heart to seek God, to see what the next move was. See, you don't have to spend days and weeks wringing your hands, crying, mourning, lamenting. All you have to do is get over in the spirit where your right equipment is. Amen. Where your right attitude is, where the real you can reside and get the next move. So it says, and David said to Abiathar the priest, Abimelech, Ahimelech's son, I pray you bring me here the ephod. Abiathar brought to David the ephod and David inquired of the Lord saying what make me feel better <laughs> uh, they want to kill me see an encouraged person you get the first thing after you've encouraged yourself the wine is gone the self pity is gone all of that is gone and you're ready to know the move do I move? Do I move now? Am I ready? That's what you want to know. So David inquired of the Lord saying, shall I pursue after them? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him. He said, pursue for you shall surely overtake them and without fail recover all. That means every single thing that the devil stolen. Amen. Don't leave anything for him. Amen. Not even your dandruff, not even your toenail clippings, <laughs> not even navel lint. You know what I'm saying? It's take everything. Don't let him have anything. And so he says, you will surely without fail recover all. David was able to gather together 600 men that were with him and came to the brook Besor where those that were left behind stayed. And so David began to pursue. And as he pursued, his faith increased. God always does that. You don't get to a place where you're pursuing and following in faith in God, and then you run out of steam. You run out of steam, you were on the wrong road to begin with, and go back and repent and, and get on the faith road. Amen. And and it's always good to have encouragers on the road with you because the enemy still tries to bombard your mind. Amen. With thoughts of failure, it's not going to work. And uh, you never should have done that and all that. You know, you need to go forward. That's all. You need to leave the place of where you are and begin to pursue what's up ahead because what's up ahead is where life is that's where joy is that's where your needs are met all of that is not in the place of of discouragement and defeat but it's in the place of pursuit and in faith and so just stay in faith until you get everything that god has for you and you know that you know that you know that god has come through for you and and you have what you need with abundance exceeding abundantly beyond all you could ask or think so david then was able to gather these men together able to pursue until they got all of their 
their goods back. Amen. And, and was able to, to, um, fight and, and continue to fight until all the Amalekites were dead and, and they chased the ones out that escaped. Amen. And got all his goods, his wives and children. Everybody got all their wives and children and goods back. Why? Because one man decided to praise God until faith showed up. Faith said, inquire. Once you know you have the open door to ask God for something, you know you have it. Amen. This is the confidence that we have. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And David asked, should I pursue? And God says, yes, pursue. Well, you think God's going to say no? Come on, y'all. Those are things God promised. Well, maybe not promised. <laughs> Kings were not supposed to have more than one wife, but you know, hey, whatever. God don't have to live with her, you do. Hello. Mercy, mercy, mercy. We all live off of God's mercy. Amen. So praise God. So anyway, God was able to lead them into victory, pursue and overtake, recover everything. Amen. And, and even to, to be benevolent in the process. That's, that's always good. If you can, if you can be under pressure and still be loving and kind and giving, forgiving, that's a bonus right there. You know, most people are on the hunt till they get their stuff back. Don't, don't talk to me. I got to get my stuff. Oh, I'm at my stuff. But they met an Egyptian. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? They met an Egyptian when they were on the way in verse 11. And he was sick. And they fed him. And gave him water. And they inquired of him. Uh, you know, if, where he was from. And, and when David asked him who he belonged to, and he said, I'm a young man of Egypt, a servant to an Amalekite. My master left me here because three days ago I fell sick. God will leave enough <laughs> help for you in any way he can. So the Amalekites, they didn't want anybody. They, you know, this is the, this is the tradition of certain types of people. They were a warrior people. They were brutal people. They weren't compassionate people. So if you weren't used to them, they left you behind. It just happened that, that God had mercy on this young man and kept him alive until David got there. Amen. And he knew David would do the right thing. Amen. God knows his servants, folks. He knows who's going to come through for him. And who isn't? And so he'll lead you to the right person at the right time. And they, they made this young man well. And he, David said to him, he said, can you bring me down to this company? And he said, swear unto me by God that you will neither kill me or deliver me to the hands of my master. And I, and I will bring you down to this company. And when he had brought him down, they were spread abroad and he knew exactly where they were. Drinking, dancing, having a good time. They'd taken everything from David and his men. And so um, David and his men fought against them and did what God told them they were going to do. Recovered everything. Verse 19, there was nothing lacking to them. 
neither small nor great. Amen. Even your toenail clippings were still in a little. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> neither sons nor daughters nor spoil nor anything that they, they, they had taken to them, David recovered all. Amen. And so then letter David, because the men of that went out to fight were not wanting to share the spoils with the men who stayed behind, David made an ordinance. From that day forward, he said, nope, this is a day of rejoicing. Those who stay back with the stuff share equally with those who go forth and fight. Amen. So there is a, 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 um, I would say a reward for protecting that which belongs to God and that which is precious to God. And so these men, because they stayed, they were too weak to go fight. And so they allowed them to stay back but rewarded them just the same. David said, what kind of day would this be if we we did bad to somebody after God's done all this good? For us, this is a day for everybody to rejoice and to be glad. And he says in verse 22, because they went not with us, we will not give them anything that we recovered, save to every man his wife and his kids, that they may lead them away and depart. Then said David, you shall not do this. With with that which the Lord has given us, who hath preserved us and delivered the company that came against us to our hand, for who will hearken unto you in this matter? But as his, but as his part is that goes down to the battle, so shall his part be that tarries by the stuff. They shall part alike. So it, from that day forward, it was a statute and an ordinance. If you stayed behind to guard something, you got full, full, uh, share. And what the warriors brought back. Amen. And so it's, it's a good thing. God begins to develop you as a spiritual family that way. He begins to help everybody the same that way. He will do what for one, what he does for all of the others. Amen. And so we, we understand these things. These are good things to do. And it's good to, to share in that responsibility, uh, with people when, when we are all serving the same God. God's not pleased if we take what we have and we're not willing to share it with others. Amen? Amen. So uh, Acts 16, if we'll turn there, we have another example of the faith, the level, high level of faith that's on praise. And we all know this story is Paul and Silas. And Paul can't go to a prayer meeting without jumping on somebody. Paul, stop it. <laughs> Praise God. Uh Acts oh, 16. Sorry about that. Verse 16. It came to pass as we went to prayer, a certain damsel possessed with a spirit of divination met us, which brought her masters much gain by fortune telling or soothsaying. It says the same followed Paul and us and cried saying, these men are servants of the most high God, which show unto us the way of salvation. Now a false witness can really mess you up. Amen. Because when Paul witnesses, God confirms his word with signs following. This girl is there to mess up their ministry. 
You got to know that about people. You got to know if God sent them, if they're helping. Some people can seem very helpful, and and pretty soon it's it's evident that they're not the help that that you need or that God would send you. And so she did this many days, but Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the spirit, "I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her," and he came out the same hour. When her master saw that the hope of their gains was gone, in other words, they're asking her to give them a word and give them a direction and so forth. She can't do that now. They asked her what happened, no doubt, and she told them. So they went and caught Paul and Silas and brought them, drew them to the marketplace to the rulers, brought them to the magistrate saying, these men being Jews, do exceedingly trouble our city and teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive, neither to observe being Romans. And the multitude rose up together against them and the magistrates rent off their clothes and commanded to beat them. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely who, having received such a charge, put them into the inner prison. Amen. And made their feet fast in stock. So really, what happens in the inner prison is that they put those those stocks on your legs and chains on your ankles, so you can't move, and usually you're chained to a guard. So that the guard will will beat you or whatever to keep you in submission. You're not to move at all. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto the Lord, and the prisoners heard them. The prisoners heard them. The prisoners heard them. So it's not like they were doing a silent prayer. It's not like they were just offering that up to God. They got pretty loud in the jail. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. See, when God does something, he doesn't, he does it after the counsel of his will. Now, with, with Peter, Peter's, uh, an angel came and got Peter and just slipped the handcuffs off of him and he just took him out of there unbeknownst to any of the guards. Amen. And so there are different ways that God does different things for different purposes. Here we are. He's in, uh, uh, I think it's, where is, where is they at? They're in Philippi or someplace like that. Ephesus? Oh, okay. So he's there in, in, there's something different that God wants to do in this place. Amen. That he wanted to do in Jerusalem where Peter was. And so it says, and the prison, the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bands were loosed. So that just wasn't done by an earthquake. There was angelic presence there to, to take the doors off and to take the, the chains off of them. You understand what I'm saying? It could happen supernaturally, but you need to know that God has angels to do things to assist us and to help us. And it says, And the keeper of the prisoner, awakening out of his sleep, and seeing the prison doors open, 
drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had fled. But Paul cried with a loud voice saying, don't do yourself any harm. We are all here. Then he called for a light and sprang in and trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas. Well, what would you do? And brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? Amen. God will do what he has to do to get people saved, folks. God's looking at a real big picture here. He's not just looking at two of his preachers in jail. He's looking at souls. He's looking at, uh, you know, increasing the kingdom, expanding the kingdom, revealing the kingdom to people. And they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved and your house. Amen. And your house. That means everybody's household, every soul in your house. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord to all that were in his house. And they took them the same hour of the night, washed their stripes, and was baptized he and all of his straight away. When they had brought them into his house, he set meat before them and rejoiced, believing in God with all his house. And when it was day, the magistrates sent to the sergeant saying, let these men go. What would you do? And the keeper of the prison told them, told this saying to Paul, the magistrates have said to let you go. Now therefore depart and go in peace. Amen. And so these, these are the things that praise will do. See, Paul and Silas were on their way to a prayer meeting when they were apprehended. It's good to not let the enemy interrupt the assignment that God has you on. So what they decided to do was pray that night. You know, I mean, we've had an interruption here, but we're going to carry on and pray because we're praying for the next open door. We're praying for the next place God's going to send us to. We're praying for souls to be saved when we get there. We got a lot of praying to do. And that's what they endeavored to do when this happened. And so they went and, and ministered at this man's house. And they were able to get the whole household saved. And then they were back on their way again. The next step after they got released from prison, the next step was their next step. But this is the power of the faith that comes in on your praise. Your faith, it was faith on what they were singing and what they were lifting up. And they were magnifying God. And God showed up in their praise. Amen. And when he showed up, He shook the whole building and released everybody there. See, you don't know how God's going to show up and what he's going to bring with him when he comes. Your job is just to lift him up, exalt him and magnify him. Make him real big. Make him bigger than your circumstances. And when you make him bigger, he shows up bigger. Amen. And I would say a whole lot bigger than their circumstances and were able to release not only them but everybody else that was there in the prison too amen you never know what god's going to do you never know you know you you never know how he releases people from bondage uh, how he gets people out of prison how he gets them out of jail how he gets their freedom back to them amen and so never stop lifting him up and making him bigger than 
whatever is holding you back. Make him bigger than whatever is threatening you. Make him bigger than whatever is challenging you. You make him bigger, he will be bigger. Amen. And you make him bigger through praise. Lord, I magnify you. I magnify you above my circumstances. Lord, I make you bigger than this move I got to make. I make you bigger than all these boxes in every room in my house. I make you bigger. Amen. You're bigger than all of this. Amen. And and God shows up bigger. He magnifies himself. Amen. And he comes with his footprint that he wants to leave on things. And he erases the devil's nonsense that he's doing. So it's a good thing to lift him up and magnify him above every circumstance and every situation. In Luke chapter 1. Praise God. What's how much time do we have? How many? Oh my goodness, I'm just getting started. <laughs> Praise God. Um <clears throat> this is a story about Mary's visitation uh from the angel when uh he was announcing the birth of Jesus and the role that she would play in it. Uh let me see. One, I think it's 46 here. Praise God. So uh, uh, this angel appears to Mary starting in verse 26. And uh, she she begins her journey by accepting what God has ordained for her to do. And uh, the angel says to her in verse 30, Fear not, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you shall conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. And he shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father, David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there shall be no end. Then said Mary unto the angel, how shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon you, and the power of the highest shall overshadow you. Therefore also that thing which shall be born of you shall be called the Son of God. And behold, your cousin Elizabeth, she has also conceived a son in her old age. This is a sixth month with her, who is called barren. For with God nothing shall be impossible. Amen. And Mary said, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, let it be unto me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Now, Mary has received by faith the birth of Jesus. She's received it right then and right there. We don't know when the angel, uh, when the Holy Spirit came and overshadowed her. But because she said, let it be unto me according to your word, that's the same thing as saying what we say, I receive it now. Amen. I believe and I receive it now. It's good to always, whenever God tells you something he wants you to do or something he's going to do, say, thank you, Lord. I receive it now. Don't go somewhere and think about it for three days and try to act like you all shocked and go tell 15 people, girl, God told me he's going to do so and so and such and such. You know, we run off and brag to people and talk. We talk it out of existence, actually, because you never received it. The first thing you need to do with anything God gives you is say yes. Just receive it. 
It's mine. I thank you for it. I receive it now. Thank you, Lord. This is a blessing in my life. And I receive it now. Until you say yes to God, it is not yours. It's just a word hanging out there. Amen. And that's how many people never receive what it is that God has for them. Because they never say yes to it. God will tell you, no, i got a ministry for you. Well, Father, thank you. I say yes to that. Whatever else is next, I'm open to it. Just tell me. Amen. Sometimes you do nothing for years. But you just continue to obey God. You come to church, read your words, study, you pray, you do everything that you've been doing. And and then he will begin to move on you. But he had to have your yes before he could do the next thing. And some of us never give God a yes. We hear a prophecy with our carnal ears and our flesh feels good because we got a word from God. And we never address what he told us he wants to do in that word. Amen. Just like Moses when when he gave God all kinds of excuses, but eventually he caved in. Amen. And said yes to God. Amen. He said, how am I going to do this? When when people start to inquire about how it's going to happen, there he's got a hook in you then. Amen. And, and I would ask, you know, when, when God called me to ministry, I said, God, I can't go to, to Tulsa. I can't move like these other people can. How am I going to, who's going to teach me? And God began to set up teaching. He teaches prophets different. You know, I mean, you know, you can go to a good Bible school for an evangelist. You can go to a good school for a, a pastor. You can go, there are all kinds of excellent schools for basic ministry. But for prophets, it's just different. When he fed Elijah, he fed him with ravens. Unorthodox. A raven wasn't a cursed bird. It was considered unclean. How's he going to bring you a happy meal three times a day? Huh? See, you got to go beyond religion in order to get what God has for you. And many times he does it that way. Because he's a sovereign God. And he's not, when he's not looking for cookie cutter ministries and ministers, he does things differently. Then you're going to have trouble fitting in with other people because he dealt with you differently. You got me? And so he deals with people the way he wants to. God's real smart. Very smart. He knows and understands everything that we need. Amen. So it says, and we started a school of the prophets before they were even popular. We started back in the mid-80s. And the Lord told me, he said, just be careful about throwing that word around the people. Because you'll get a lot of warfare that you don't need to have. Because the devil want to fight you on this. So we call it a school of ministry. It's really school for the prophets. You know, everybody knows that. And so and we don't advertise it. I don't tell you put some tuition down and I'll make you a prophet. You understand what I'm saying? You just, this is just so poor. You know what I'm saying? It cheapens what God wants to do in people. Cause I don't know who the next whoever is in this place. And the next uniquely whoever God called you to be is in this place. And so we don't put it on a level where it can be bought or whether it can be tuitioned or whether I got to give you a certificate. What's a piece of paper going to do for you? 
when somebody is standing in front of you and they can't see. And they need God to give them new eyes and they're asking you to pray for them. You know, you, a piece of paper, you can wave it all day long in front of a blind man, they won't see it. You got me? So you need an anointing. You need relationship with God. So, so hopefully, you know, we, we help you provide that so that you'll be fully equipped. Your equipment comes from Him. I can only, such as I have, I give you, but you need what He has for you. Amen. You need to add to that. Amen. So, so then, um, um, oh yeah, with Mary. She, she went then, verse 39, she arose in those days, went to the hill country with haste, into the city of Judah, entered into the house of Zacharias and saluted Elizabeth. And it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. Amen. So we've got a, a, a person that they want to put on the Supreme Court, and they probably will because she got enough votes already. They asked her, when does conception start? She said she doesn't know. Somebody just needs to text her a scripture so she'll know. If you're making laws for a nation of people, you need to know as much truth as you can know. You got me? Amen. And so the baby leaped in her womb because it was alive. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she prophesied. She spoke out with a loud voice saying, Blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And what is this to me? that the mother of my Lord should come to me. For lo, as soon as the voice of your salutation sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. And blessed is she that believed, for there shall be a performance of those things which were told her from the Lord. So then Elizabeth confirms what the angel has told Mary. Amen. And, and Mary said, my soul does magnify the Lord. So there is a type of praise that can take place in your mind. We need to magnify God in our mind. Not, not just speaking out words of praise, but also meditating to magnify him. Thinking how wonderful he is, thinking how powerful he is, thinking how forgiving and loving and caring he is. Let your soul magnify the Lord and quit condemning people. Huh? When something happens that that you don't like in your life, begin to magnify God in your soul. God, I'm turning this nonsense off. I forgive them and I'm moving on because you're too good a God. You're too gracious and merciful. You're too kind to me. I love you, Jesus. I magnify you. And start thinking about the goodness of God. Meditate on his goodness. And she was saying, my soul does magnify the Lord. And my spirit rejoiced in God, my Savior, for he has regarded the lowest state of his handmaiden. For behold, from this day forward, all nations shall call me blessed. And all my Catholics said, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God. You got me? 
Amen. <laughs> so the Catholics picked up on it. A little bit too much so. Amen. But they do call her blessed. Amen. <laughs> she is blessed. It says, for he that is mighty has done me great things. Amen. And holy is his name. And his mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation. He has showed strength with his arm and scattered the proud in the the imagination of their hearts and has put down the mighty from their seats and exalted them of low degree. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent empty away. Who does this sound like? This sound familiar to anybody? Like Hannah, same thing. Magnifying the Lord is magnifying the Lord. It's the same pattern in the human soul. He begins, God begins to reveal to you what he's doing. She, she's not seeing any of this happen in real life, but she's speaking it forth as though it is so under the unction of the Holy Spirit. And it says he has helped his servant Israel. In remembrance of his mercy, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his seed forever. And Mary abode with her three months and then returned to her own house. Amen. And so there's a lot of praise and prophecy going on now in this little town because God has visited them. From from this one incident when the angel began, showed up and talked to Zechariah, he talked to Mary. Now a chain reaction of praise and magnifying God and increasing God. And it continues to increase. It increases even with the birth of John the Baptist where Zechariah, God loses Zechariah's tongue again and he begins to prophesy. And from that we see the birth of Jesus. And the increase in praise and the increase in understanding God. This is how revival comes forth. This is how a move of God gets started. It can start with one visitation of one person that they take to heart what God's saying and they begin to praise and magnify him and refuse to let him go. Amen. Just refuse until God does everything that he wants to do for them in their situation, in their lives, however things are going. They want to see God continue to do. Praise is the invitation of God to continue to do and to increase what he's doing. Whenever we want to see God do more, it starts with praise. It starts with lifting him up. It starts with making him feel welcome. In your presence, it starts by responding to the presence of God, saying, God, I don't want you to ever leave. I want you to stay close. I want you to draw near. I want you to be very present with me. I want you to do more. I want you, I want to, to keep you here with me all the time. Praise says that. It says, I want more. I need more. I want to hear you talk to me more. I want to uh, know your presence more. I want to know what else you want to do in my life, God. Is there something I need to do to make you more responsive to me? These things, we need to make him the center of everything. Make him the focus, the center. God, it's only you. 
I bless you and I thank you and I praise you. I thank you, Lord. You do the big things and the small for me all the time. Father, you even found my glasses for me over and over and over again. (laughs) Amen. You let me know I am not alone. You let me know you're my best friend. And you can do anything but fail me, Lord. You're not a man that you should lie. And you're not lying to me. I believe you're working healing and health in my body right now. Because you're working on me right now. You're present with me right now. And I thank you that my faith is working. My faith is in gear. My faith is doing what you intended it to do right now. I thank you for it, Lord. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Father, we thank you for praise and we thank you Lord that it is the key to your presence it is the key to everything that we need Lord praise is the key to our faith and there is faith increasing in our praise every time we praise you Father we are increasing in our faith we allow our faith to do more we allow it to accomplish more than we could ever know and ever ask or ever think Father because you are in our praise and we thank you for that and we have everything we're not lacking in anything we we don't ever want to ask you what do we lack or what do we need because it's right there with us because you're here with us Lord and we thank you you will supply every single thing that we need in Jesus name Amen anybody need prayer you can come on up